morning. Will you please stand and join us for our call to worship from Psalm 121. your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore.
Let's pray together. Almighty God, you are our only true refuge, our shelter. We seek you and need you and long for you. You are our God of great provision and the God who is in the wilderness and desert. Our God who promises a banquet and our God of manna. Father, you are holy and other beyond us and yet you draw near and know know your people. You hear our groans and laments, even when we don't have the words to express. You see our face and our sorrow. But loving God, open our hearts to both receive and to give this morning, to drink deeply of your love and to give abundantly from it. Father, open our imaginations to see yourself giving love and to, to be changed by it. May our lives be filled up with the spirit-led resurrection life that, that Jesus purchased with his broken body and his shed blood. So, Father, we ask that, that by your spirit, that you would make yourself known to us this morning. Come to those of us who feel really near and those who feel really far from you. Father, meet all of us and show us the grace of Jesus and change us by it. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Also, the fifth through eighth grade will meet uh, in the teacher's lounge today. Well, we turn now to our time of confession and assurance, a time where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him. We'll do this together as a church and then have a time of singing and a quiet personal confession. The psalmist prays, once God has spoken, twice have I heard. Power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. 
Lord, when we are overwhelmed with our circumstances and the demands of those around us, help us trust in you and to take shelter in your love. Oh God, may my soul rest in you alone. My hope comes from you. You alone are my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depends on you. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Come, ye thirsty, Gracious God, we are thankful that you came to us in our weakness, in our greatest need of rescue. While we were still sinners, you descended into depths, into the depths of our sin to be in our place and to raise us to new life. So we give thanks with joy in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, let's stand to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Psalm 62. Let's join together. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. As we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ.
Our first reading is from the Old Testament lesson um, in Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Our New Testament lesson is from James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 6 and verses 16 through 18. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will be brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is the word of the Lord. reading Liz. I'm uh, really glad to be here and to open God's word with you this morning and take part in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, coming back to it after Easter. But I want to start with a story about a famous song. I hope you've, I hope you've heard it, maybe the original or as a cover. Uh, the song is Joni Mitchell's River. And the interesting thing about this song is it starts with this kind of tinkling piano that that's sort of banging out this very familiar melody. It's like, is that what I think it is? Is that Jingle Bells? 
And it, it kind of is, but before she finishes, you know, the first line of Jingle Bells, the melody kind of stutters and misses, and things feel like not quite right. And that's when the words come in. And so here's how the song opens. She sings, it's coming on Christmas. They're cutting down trees. They're putting up reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace. Oh, I wish I had a river that I could skate away on. I wish I had a river I could skate away on. So, spoiler alert, it's a breakup song. <laughs> and a really sad one for the genre. <laughs> She's writing this song from Los Angeles, where there are no frozen rivers to skate away on. But she's thinking about her childhood in Saskatchewan, Canada, where she learned to ice skate. And it's not an uncomplicated memory, um, because shortly after her 10th birthday, she lost the use of her legs. And she was sent to live in a polio colony. And it was really touch and go for a while for her. And the boy, there was a boy that was living in the same room as her, and he, he didn't make it. He passed away. And when she remembers that time, she says, you know, a great sorrow humanized me. It was during that time of her recovery um, that something profound happened to her. It's important to know that her father never visited her in that polio colony, and her mother only visited once. And when she did, she brought a Christmas tree. So when I hear that song, I don't think about um, poor Graham Nash, the man that she was leaving. I think about that little girl lying in a hospital bed alone and that time and that place where she learned first to be alone now I'm sure most of us have had moments in our lives where we felt desperately alone and afraid times where we needed someone just to come and find us and if you've known this feeling then our passage has really good news for you today so let me read it Matthew chapter 7, feel free to follow along in your order or in your Bible. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is God's word given for our good. And it is the season of Eastertide. And we are trying uh, in this sermon series to return to the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And hear them in a fresh and in a new way. To hear them in light of his resurrection. So like this weekend in Chicago... It's time to open up the windows and let in the fresh air and kind of let the, let the place sort of air out a bit, right? That's kind of what I think Jesus is doing even in these words, in this little part of the sermon. You know, on the surface, uh, it feels like the passage is about how we pray and dun, 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 the golden rule, right? But it's really about a lot more. It's about what it means to finally have what we've always wanted, what we've always needed, love and belonging. And how that immense love and belonging can actually <laughs> demonstrate the power in our lives to change all of our relationships. 
So today what I want to do is I want to try and answer two questions about this little portion of scripture. Number one, what does it tell us about our access to God? What does it tell us about our access to God? And two, how does it provide a foundation? How does it provide a foundation for all of our other relationships? Now, I think it might be helpful in trying to answer this first question to note at the outset that Jesus is not the first person to lay out the principle of what we call the golden rule. It can be found in different places, different forms, different articulations throughout the Old Testament, and it can even be found in non-biblical sources as well. Some of the rabbis, even in Jesus' time, said this principle is the summation of the law. So he's not revealing it for the first time, but rather sharing his own take on the golden rule. Something that he's heard, something that, he's, that his disciples have heard many times. So it's helpful to like recall, as Chad has been doing in this series, that Jesus is calling the disciples in. He's calling them close. You know, the crowds are looking for another sign. They want to see something miraculous happen. But Jesus is calling his, his disciples close so that he can form them in a new way of life, a new, a new kind of being, a being in God's kingdom. And how formative and memorable and even arresting are these statements. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you just kind of sticks in your mind, doesn't it? Does it sound too good to be true? Well, if it does, we need to know that there are two kind of quick and easy mistakes we can make. You know, they're almost reflexes that we have to this passage. The first is anxiety over our effort. You don't pray enough. When you do, you don't pray the right way. You're doing it all wrong, right? Is that really what Jesus is trying to tell us? I don't think so. Hearing this passage and fixating on our own efforts would be a really inappropriate response when Jesus says, ask, and it'll be given to you. This is an invitation that he offers in love. In other words, Jesus is not nearly as surprised about our need and dependence upon God as we are. It's kind of not a problem for him. He, he, he's, he's okay with it. He's, he's kind of embraced it. And so he says, come, come, ask, seek, knock on that door. anxious about your own efforts and the second mistake would be you know to take too much liberty with it well you said for everyone who asks receives so come on I, you said you know that kind of like greedy childish response that's not appropriate either right that would be kind of silly what Jesus is trying to impress on us is the sheer generosity and availability of the Father. That's the headline here, God's fatherly kindness. This is what one commentator, this is why one commentator emphasizes when he writes, for most of us, the problem is not that we're too eager to ask for the wrong things. The problem is that we're not nearly eager enough to ask for the right things. And what are the right things? The right things are the things that we really, really need, the deep needs of our hearts. Things like love and acceptance and reassurance and affirmation and mercy. They're the things that make life not just livable, but rich and fulfilling. So we 
honest with ourselves. But how do those things come about in our lives? Not easily. Things like that are only transmitted from one heart to another, one soul to another. And it's always in the context of deep relationship through the channels of vulnerability offered and vulnerability received. It's in those honest moments, those, those nervous exchanges that somehow turn into life-changing conversations. And that kind of vulnerability really only emerges when we feel safe. you are safe you are safe that's what we need to hear in Jesus's teaching today you are safe your heavenly father knows your need and moves towards you in grace with great mercy you are safe even if that's more than you can fully even realize right now. So let's not miss it. All of us have deep places inside of us where this invitation needs to be held and heard and received again and again. You are safe because you belong to the Father because of His Son. That kind of access is already yours, and there's actually nothing you can do about it. You can't secure it. You can't even lose it. So why not just embrace it as your own? I think that would make our Father really, really happy. He would like for you to embrace your belonging. That would really please him. And I know that sounds like a kind of an, an abstract or kind of, you know, idealistic thing to do. So I'm just to give one sort of practical step that I try from time to time. You know, we get given this wonderful um, set of things every week. And sometimes I try and hold on to it. And I flip back to this portion of confession and assurance. And I kind of put that somewhere I'll see it in the week. And... You know, I've prayed it here with all of you, but I tried again on my own. That's one way um, to, to show up for that belonging that's already ours. That's what a disciple does. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. Show up for that belonging. A life of wisdom and goodness really looks like showing up for that belonging, knowing to whom you belong. But that belonging, it's going to change you. It's going to it's going to do things to you, and it's going to actually affect every relationship in your life. So let's talk about question two. How can this belonging transform every other relationship? Well, as I said, Jesus... It's not the first teacher or the last teacher to express this golden rule. So this passage is not a revelation, but in many ways a rehabilitation of this golden rule. I realize it might sound strange to hear that Jesus wants to rehabilitate the golden rule. Why would he need to rehabilitate it? Well, it's existed in various places and for many, many years before and after Jesus, but it kind of has the same effect wherever it shows up. Every human being, you and me, we want to be right. We want to be good. And if we can't be good, we want to at least be seen as good by others. And this is kind of the like most concise universal principle for doing that. What if my conscience isn't actually the point? What if, like, 
my level of altruism isn't really that big a deal. What if I can no longer be seen as good ever again? Isn't that what the cross of Christ teaches us? That no one is good? The best thing about returning to the golden rule in the clarifying light of Jesus' death and resurrection is seeing that trying to keep it not only becomes unrealistic, but unnecessary. Trying to keep it for ourselves or keep it in our own strength and power. In other words, Jesus' resurrection has already given us everything we think we need to earn. The most helpful way for me to think about this, this new dynamic, this new way of being, is through the consideration of gift giving and economies of gifts. In cultures and communities where monetary systems have not been developed or don't dominate, there is a life-sustaining and ongoing exchange of gifts. And when we read the Bible, we encounter this most often in the fabric of hospitality that we find throughout especially the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, right? And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? I mean, God's people are living in a very arid climate dependent on fragile systems of agriculture and shepherding, and they're just in such close proximity to actual wilderness. <laughs> it kind of makes sense that people would take care of each other. Living so close to that border between life and death it doesn't just invite you, it kind of demands mutuality and reciprocity and generous hospitality. How absurd would it be for Rebecca to say her father possesses the well? Or, oh yeah, yeah, that oasis, you know, we, we hold the deed on that oasis. <laughs> it's ours, right? Those kind of notions of private property don't operate in places of desperate need. In these economies of gift-giving, there's a different set of rules that have to operate. And the first is, the gift is not a possession. It's not something I keep and have forever, and it's just mine. It's a means of establishing relationship and of showing honor. And its other function is to move, to circulate, to be passed around. It can't remain static. It's kind of it's like, uh, when we think about these, these systems of gift giving, it's kind of like manna in the desert, right? You collect enough for today, you know, don't try and put away any for tomorrow, it'll go bad. All this uh, came home to me in um, reading a book by a guy named Lewis Hyde, who's reflecting on creativity in our modern world. And he says, you know, I still believe that the primary commerce of art is gift exchange. That unless the work is the realization of the artist's gift, and unless we, the audience, can feel the gift it carries, there is no art. Feel the gift. Feel the gift. What does that mean? I think, I think it means that, you know, we probably all have this experience. I think it means a sense of not ever being able to repay what you've received from someone else's creativity. There's kind of this mysterious overflow, this like mysterious surplus of life and energy and hope that an amazing gift of someone else's curio curiosity and creativity puts into the world. I know it's, um, it's, it's very likely that I will not get to meet Joni Mitchell and tell her what I think um, her song River makes me feel, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's true of most of us and the beautiful things that we love. Some of you know the song, some of you don't know the song, but if you do or when you do, you and I will be connected in this circle of experience the circle of feeling, may even know the same kinds of 
emotions and longings that have been placed into that song. And it feels like, you know, when we have this experience all the time, you come here, you've got to see this. Come here, you've got to hear this, right? We want that circle to expand and to grow and to keep spiraling out and out and out. And no matter how far it reaches, it all started with this three-minute folk ballad. By the same token, the goodness with which Christ has made us a part of God's family and given us immediate access to the Father isn't a commodity or a resource to be traded. What I mean is my share in Christ's goodness can in no way diminish your share, what's been given to you. The goodness of Jesus is infinite, and you can't earn what you already have. <laughs> and I feel like these words that he's speaking from the Sermon on the Mount are meant to kind of shake us up and arrest us with their kind of radical generosity. So as I kind of pull it all into a close here, I don't want you to hear this as a call to inaction. Like, okay, well, don't be anxious. Don't, you know, don't be greedy. Okay, so just, you know. Just because we can't earn any more belonging than we already have doesn't mean that there isn't something Jesus wants us to do. Jesus is returning to the golden rule to rehabilitate it, to save it, to rescue it, because he wants us to be more involved in each other's lives. He wants us to be more available to one another. We need to hear it in a fresh way because the very best thing we can do is to live out this belonging alongside and with one another. Our belonging is not just for us. The favor that God bestows on each of us through his son, Jesus Christ, makes possible a beloved community in which together we have access to the Father. In other words, when you live out your belonging, the belonging that's yours in Christ Jesus, I am in turn more free to live out the belonging that's mine. But neither of us actually possess it. It's something we're participating in, something we're a part of together. That's what it means to be the beloved community. And we have a choice. We can either give that belonging to others or we can withhold it for ourselves. So let's not have the wrong perspective. Wouldn't it be better to ask how, how this feeling of kinship and belonging and access how it can grow and swell and not just wash over us, each other in this room, but even wash over others. Friends that are in proximity to our lives, people that we're alongside of in our daily lives, especially people that have never, ever known the love of our Father. I think that would also make our Father very happy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word and how it invites us to belong to you. Your word tells us that you do not have because you do not ask. So let us hear your promise in fresh ways today to draw near to you and you will draw near to us. We don't want to be alone, so help us to draw near to you. And let us do so in ways that honor you through our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. Jesus Christ, her Lord, Jesus' name.
church victorious shall be the church at You have not given us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of perseverance and of love. We praise you for your never-ending faithfulness as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending whatever you would wish others to do to you, do to them. I mean, it's a sort of haunting and powerful words from Jesus. And I just, you know, as we sort of think about that, as we consider, as we linger into those words, what comes up? What is the words, even that question of what, what is it that you wish for? What is it that you need? What is it that you would want others to do for you? Well, even just to move into that a bit as we come to this table, um, many of us, right, we come with different longings, different desires, different wishes. Maybe for some of us here, even today, a longing to be seen, a longing to belong and to connect with others, right? And within that, the sense of uh, what it is to be seen, right, to, to see the goodness, to see the glory, to see the beauty, in, in ourselves from other people. But also maybe there is this sense in the air as you sit even around this table and we know the people who are with Jesus around this table. Yes, there was a lot of powerful and beautiful gifts, even in those who are his disciples. People who uh, had incredible cur courage, who moved in despite the, the persecution around them, moved into the mission with God. And yet, they are also betrayers and deniers, people who left. And so as we consider this, as we even move into our own desires, the glory that is there, the beauty that we behold, and yet we also are aware of the ways in which we fail, in which the ways in which we stumble, the ways in which maybe we foster disconnection, the ways that we are left unseen and un, uh, untended to. And I just think this as we bring those things, as they come up in us even right now, as we're thinking about them, to bring them to this table. 
a table that is full of grace, that is lavish, that is bold and beautiful in its welcome, that even though Jesus know that these are the men who would leave him quite shortly, that he offers them not just a meal, but himself, a place to belong and to find life. And so that's the invitation for all of us this morning, is to come and to find life in him. He does this for us in part so that we can do this with him for others. So if you believe that, if you have in repentance and faith, believe that Jesus is the one who rescues us. He's the one who has stood in, who has entered into sin and death to be in our place. Well, then come and eat and be nourished, be filled up in your faith. Father, thank you for this table. We pray that you would set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one. That you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith through this bread and this wine. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I do want to uh, invite the, the servers to come forward at this time. I'd ask that as the rest of us do come forward, that we would uh, receive both the bread and the wine and that we go back on the sides, that you'd hold them so that we can all uh, be served and that we could eat and drink as one family. Let's come now to the table.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Well, let's stand together as we respond to the table for a time of prayer and song. Lord Jesus Christ, grant us faith to trust in your grace alone as we proclaim the mystery of faith. powerful might stumble, that the hidden might be seen. Christ is coming to make all things new, that aggression may stop, that war would end, that peace will break out like a fountain, that pain and suffering would end. Christ is coming to make all things new. You may be seated. Well, we now uh, continue our time of worship through a time of uh, giving and offerings to God. If you'll notice, there is a, a, a black blue pad under the seat closest to the center aisle. If you could fill that out and pass it down your road, that'd be great. We'd love to have a, a record of your visit. Um, and even for those of you who are new, uh, would love to, to get your information that we can let you know about some of the events and uh, opportunities to be involved uh, here at our church. Um, I do want to invite the, the ushers to come down. Um, just a few notes that uh, in a couple... I think it's May 20th, there is a, uh, if you'll notice in your order of worship, there's a day of sp a service, spring day of service, May 20th. Um, you can join us at the, uh, at the church office and break into service teams and things, and we'll do some work um, with a lunch to follow. So that's May 20th, and we'll meet uh, from 9 to 12 during that time. Also, just uh, after the service, we'll have a time of fellowship. We'll meet over here in the, uh, it's actually if you go uh, out this door, you can't go out this one. You have to go this way, follow it around into the, there's another lunch area in the back, and we'll have coffee and bagels, and it's just a time of fellowship to get to know one another. Um, if you uh, would like, if you, uh, you'll notice that the plate's going around. If you would like to give through online, there is a QR code here in the back of your order. Uh, you can give that way as well. Well, let's continue to worship our Lord. Please stand and join us for the doxology.
now God's blessing. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Go in peace.